Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you on a Friday. I am Boyd Matheson. And. Uh, if you uh, have are just tuning in, uh, recently uh, announced by the administration that they will be uh, restricting travel from India into the United States uh, coming up. And so, again, the uh, the challenges, the impacts and the fallout of the pandemic continue to play on. Uh, we saw the uh, vice president just made some uh, comments as well in terms of our commitment to the people of India, our our uh, many projects we've worked together, things we have sent over in response to the current outbreak and and just the catastrophic impacts there in India. Uh, and all of this leads us back to this conversation of, okay, what is next? Uh, what went right? What went wrong? What could have been done differently or better as it relates to the pandemic? And again, a lot of that was learning on the fly and uh, some of it was politics. Uh, some of it was CDC driven and a, and a host of others. Uh, and so I want to welcome onto the program today. Uh, really excited to have Philip Mangus uh, join us. He is a senior research fellow at the American Institute for Economic Research, uh, author of numerous works, and uh, someone who has some really unique perspective in terms of what all of this means and what we should be doing uh, moving forward. Uh, Philip, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, so as you look at that, uh, obviously there's been uh, lots of uh, – looking back and, and trying to figure out what did we do well, where did we really miss? Uh, and you've weighed in on a lot of those things in terms of policies uh, that maybe were supported early uh, but may not have been effective. What What's kind of your overall assessment in terms of uh, what, what happened over the last year? Yeah, so my overall take is that the great error we did in the last year was we, we plowed headfirst into this lockdown strategy as the way to deal with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And the science behind this was always kind of specious. We uh, even have evidence from the the World Health Organization, uh, even Anthony Fauci himself, uh, when they were commenting on lockdowns prior to about March 2020, uh, they generally agreed that these uh, strategies do not work. They uh, They aren't very effective at dealing with this type of a virus, and yet we did it anyway in response to uh, some, what turns out to be some really weak computer models that were uh, used to justify that back in, uh, in March 2020. And the problem is that uh, when we used the general lockdown strategy, it resulted in the neglect of other areas where we could have made a more meaningful intervention, uh, the first and foremost among those being the nursing home problem. 
Uh, we knew this was a disease that really heavily and harshly affects the elderly. And rather than trying to take steps to isolate our nursing homes and, uh, and uh, more focused protection on what was going on in the nursing homes, uh, we did the exact opposite. We had the, the Andrew Cuomo situation where he was forcibly admitting COVID-positive patients into the nursing homes as part of his hospital capacity uh, uh, overrun surge. So what resulted is uh, it was really kind of like a disaster of doing all the wrong things at the right time. Uh, wow. Uh, so fascinating. One of the things I've been dying to ask you about this, uh, because we've seen it in so many different areas, you, you just talked about the modeling. And mm-hmm. one of the things that seems to be absent in our modeling uh, in a host of different areas, I, I spoke with H.R. Uh, McMaster uh, last month, and he talked about kind of the myopic modeling in terms of uh, of foreign affairs. And it was kind of this modeling of, well, if the U.S. does this, everyone else will do X, Y, and Z, and it sort of took out the individual freedom or the individual response from uh, a society or from a government. And, and you looked that, at that and kind of compared it to, to the old Sim City game that if uh, that we were looking at modeling that was assuming uh, everyone would do exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's both uh, metaphorically comparable to the Sim City games, but there's also like a, an actual history there. Uh, some of the modelers at Imperial College London, this is the Neil Ferguson guy we all heard about in the news about a year ago, uh, really have stated that they used Kim City-style video games from the 1990s as one of the bases for uh, how they came up with the ideas behind these models. And what they do is they basically assume that human beings are all going to interact uh, the way that the model predicts, the way that the model says. So they put in these really kind of flimsy assumptions into the core of the model. They let it run. And then they get results and assume that, uh, you know, humanity is just going to conform to that. Surprise. But it turns out that the, uh, the, the assumptions, they really aren't based on sound science. They're, they're at most guesswork, uh, guesstimates. Mm. Wow, that is, uh, that is just fascinating stuff. And uh, uh, I want to take just – got just a couple of minutes left here, uh, Philip, and I, I wanted to just uh, kind of get your projection moving forward. So we're talking about these models. Uh, and, again, mm-hmm. human behavior is human behavior, so it's not going to be monolithic. Uh, but as as you look forward, as you've really assessed and looked at this, uh, what are the what are the keys as we kind of come towards the what seems to be the backside? Uh, but of course, we have places like India that are suddenly uh, in yeah. uh, really dire straits. Uh, what's what's next? What should we at least be thinking about uh, in terms of that behavior? Yeah. So the main thing is uh, the vaccines have been a godsend to us. Uh, we have really innovated in this area, and we have vaccines that work. Uh, they've had a, a major role in making sure that we don't have a second or third wave uh, emerge after uh, after this last winter. Uh, but again, I think the current challenge right now is the federal government itself has been an impediment to good, effective vaccine distribution. And that's everything from the Johnson & Johnson pause that occurred uh, a couple weeks ago, some of Anthony Fauci's comments. Uh, they've unnecessarily created vaccine hesitancy at the exact moment that this is needed the most. Uh, so there's really kind of a, a comedy of errors that's playing out, and you see it in the in the polls. The surveys are saying that people are now more skeptical of vaccines after the Johnson & Johnson pause. And as a result, uh, the age groups that need to be vaccinated the most at the moment are, are starting to drop. Mm. Fascinating stuff. Philip Magnus uh, has been joining us, Senior Research Fellow at the American Institute for Economic Research. Uh, great insight. I would love to have you back and uh, further this conversation in terms of where we really are, where government is getting in the way, where the private sector can uh, do things a little better, and then how do we actually 
chart a course uh, for everyone to move forward. Uh, Philip, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I get really fascinating stuff there uh, in terms of the modeling. And we've we've seen this uh, weakness in modeling over and over again. As, uh, as I mentioned, uh, talking about it from a military standpoint, uh, my conversation with H.R. McMaster, where he said, yeah, we, we've been doing these models all wrong because we're assuming everyone is going to behave exactly the same based on what we do. And uh, as Philip Magnus just said, it's the same kind of modeling in terms of how people will behave uh, during a pandemic. And so it, it's some of those things that are just hard to, to predict and do because because of the individual factor to it all and how people will actually respond, how certain communities will respond, uh, and then making sure that we're not uh, getting so wrapped up in a model or something coming out of an office in Washington, D.C., that we neglect what's really going on on the ground. Uh, it is one of the areas, especially relating to the distribution of the vaccines, that Utah has done very well. Uh, and I think we're entering, as Philip said, a real critical time to make sure to make sure we keep the communication strategy equal to the rollout strategy so that we can overcome some of that hesitancy or reluctance to the vaccine. Uh, and then that we continue to march things open in terms of opening up the economy, uh, kids in school and moving things forward that way. So, again, really, uh, really fascinating discussion on a Friday, again, especially in light of the Biden administration just announcing travel restrictions from India to the United States beginning next Tuesday uh, as India continues to spiral uh, down in terms of the uh, tragedy of the pandemic uh, there within their borders. So we'll continue to follow all of that. Stay with us. Uh, much more to come here on KSL News Radio on a Friday. I'm Boyd Matheson. We'll be right back. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.